The day is January 22nd, 2000. The Knicks are fine. Y2K didn't destroy the world. And computers seem okay. And you're ready to sit down to watch the greatest decom ever. Up, up, and away. I'm glad the computers didn't fry. Because now you can listen to this garbage. Someone stopped the computers from frying just so we could put out this. That was the goal of Y2K. It was like, it was like this preventing Y2K. It's like, okay, I don't really care about like the bank, the online banking, the websites that have importance to the world. No, I care about hearing this podcast. They just really wanted to stop podcasts. That's what Y2K was about. They knew people were going to get worse, and they said the only more they get worse is when podcasts come around. So, oh boy, let's put a stop to that. <laughs> the only way it can get worse is people thinking they have something important to say <laughs> and, they, and that they think people will listen. I don't think I have anything important to say, and I don't think oh. anyone will listen, and that's why we're doing it. Welcome to the unofficial Decom Podcast. I'm Tony. Hey. I'm Ethan, and welcome back, because this is episode 13? Yeah, yeah. We did it. We We did did it in America. We're in the year 2000, baby. We're alive. I was going to say we're thriving, but let's just stop it. We're alive. We're alive, and that's pretty cool. We're alive, and we can talk. 1,000 more years until we live underwater. Here we are. It's the year 2000, baby. Up, up, and away. Dun, 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 dun. Did I sound cool there? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I needed that. <laughs> How you doing, Ethan? I'm doing pretty solid. It was it was an okay week. How about you? I'm doing all right. The Giants are the greatest football team to ever touch the planet. Colt McCoy's best quarterback ever. Yeah. Top two oh. with Daniel Jones. But honestly, I'm I'm excited. Yeah. I need to talk about up up and away. You know. Really pumped to see what you gotta say about it because I'm sure you'll hate it because I like it. Whoa, no, I like this a lot. Why do you assume stuff? I'm usually the one who likes, like, good, like, stuff in general. Oh, you're the one who likes good stuff. <laughs> I stopped myself there. I just said stuff in general. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get into it? Let's get into it. Let's talk about this movie. Okay, so as we have made it into the new millennium, Up, Up, and Away premiered on January 22nd, 2000, on the still-running Disney Channel. Is it still running? Today? Yeah. I don't know what's on there anymore, man. They're doing under wraps again. We talked about this last week. Good for them. Good for us, honestly. That's another episode. (laughs) It's a cultural reset, but most importantly, it's content for us. It's content for us, and that's all we're here for. Just to make content for us. (laughs) Just for us? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have anything of substance to say before we talk about the film? 100% no. Okay, I know I don't think you do. I feel like one time you might you did. I just like to ask because I think it's fun. Yeah, no, sometimes I do. This time I don't. This movie had no goofs or trivia on IMDb. <laughs> that wasn't fun. This is, this is this is a film. This is not a movie. This is a film. This no one goofed off here. This is Marvel before Marvel happened. This is canon to the MCU. Obviously, there's no goofs. It is actually canon. And I'm interested to talk about later. <laughs> I, I have theories. <laughs> let's get into this. All right, let's do it. So we open the movie to Malcolm and Nina, two two people right now. Uh, they're saying, they're talking about how they'll be able to change the world. This seems important for later, but whatever. 
we then cut to a bedroom where we meet our main character, Scott Marshall. He's playing soccer in his bedroom, and when his dad, Jim, comes in, he gets whacked with a soccer ball on the head, and they remind Scott that his birthday is coming up in four days. Whoa, you, like, zoomed into that. I mean, the first couple scenes with Malcolm and Nina, nothing happens. There's a lot where nothing happens, uh, and it's mostly because of Malcolm and Nina. Well, we do have to talk about Malcolm here. Absolutely do not have to talk about Nina. We have to talk about very little people in this movie. Kevin Connolly is in this movie. You don't know who Kevin Connolly is. Nope. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you've seen him in movies. Most likely. Before, but his main thing, his main, main thing is he's Eric Murphy on Entourage, which is one of the core four? Yeah, core four on Entourage. So it was a little shocking seeing him in this film. <laughs> I've seen this movie plenty of times before, but then seeing his name pop up was real weird. Um, what, what would I know him from? Do you have something? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not surprising. I, I don't know a lot, but I, like, there might be usually one thing where it's like, oh, I'll throw Ethan a bone here. There's... He's in something stupid. Right. And I, I looked for that I looked for that with a lot of these actors in this movie. He was in the notebook. You ever see that one? I haven't seen the notebook and I love rom coms. That's kinda surprising you haven't seen the notebook because you are a cool guy like that. That's not what you were gonna say, but I appreciate you holding back. Anyway, um Oh, I mean, I I looked at the actors as well because I I missed a uh, person who was in Glee last week and that really disappointed me. Told Tony informed me after the podcast. Uh, but there was nothing of substance. There wasn't, like, an Alvin the Chipmunks, a Glee here, uh, something stupid there, you know. So, kind of disappointing. He hasn't done a lot of, like, pop-in roles. He does kind of, like, just movies and shows. So, probably nothing you'd ever remember, recognize <laughs> him from, but yeah. So, let's continue. Uh, <laughs> you must. Uh, we go downstairs in the Marshall household. And this is where we meet the rest of the family. There's the mom, Judy, little sister, Molly, and older brother, Adam. And they continue to talk about Scott's birthday when Scott's friend, Randy, uh, walks in into their house and he gives the family some homemade zucchini bread, which the family's very alarmed by. So Scott takes Randy out of the house here. Did you realize that the captions on this movie are at the top of the screen? I don't think they were for me. That'd be real weird. I, I turned them off because they were at the top of the screen, and it was just like, I can't see anything. So I had to turn the captions off and use my ears, and that's not always a great thing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to bet you missed at least one thing in this movie. <laughs> what's, your, what's your take on zucchini bread? Um, I, was, I wanted to make fun of zucchini bread, like as a, I'm coming over to your house, I'm going to bring over zucchini bread as like that, because usually it's something like a cookie, cookies or like a lasagna. But honestly, zucchini, when it's used in just like a bunch of things, isn't normally bad. I'll give them that. Well, zucchini is a sweet. Sorry, zucchini bread is a sweet. Yeah. I feel, like people throw, I feel like people throw zucchini into anything, like you find those recipes online. And then somebody bakes cookies and you're like, oh, this tastes good. What's in it? It's like, oh, there's like flour, zucchini, sugar. I don't know about that, but zucchini bread's a normal thing and it's, and it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, trust me on trust me on the recipes. I've seen them before. <laughs> I've tasted them before. Zucchini cookies. I pro no, no, I believe you. You know what? You're right. Thank you. Uh what I wanted to bring up here 
is this is another instance, just like in Smart House, of generic basketball merchandise. Um, I sent you a picture. I want you to look at it. This is all from the picture I sent you is of this poster in Scott's room. It's of a basketball player, but you can't see the jersey. And the name on the poster is very unreadable. Also, there's a um, miniature hoop in his room that just says basketball on it. Sea of glove. Exactly. I, I was freaking out. I'm like, did I read that wrong? Because they do a pretty like decent close up on it, but it just says sea of glove, right? Yeah, I kind of just assume. I just kind of assumed that that was that that was just Michael Jordan, and then I went on with my <laughs> like. It wasn't like it like. I think the jersey was roughly the colors of balls of the ball jerseys of the white I mean, the ball post- jerseys. The poster was a big red, so I can see where you're right. coming from. Right. All right. Editing Tony here. I looked it up. The player on the poster is Gary Payton of the Supersonics. There's a giant Supersonics. It's not giant, but it's it's a noticeable Supersonics logo on the poster. You can buy it for $40 online. Gary Payton's nickname was The Glove. So, I guess that's why it says Sea of Glove. But still, sounds dumb. DCOMs are interesting because I feel like most of the most of the budget for the movie just goes into the decorating of the main character's rooms. <laughs> they like to shove whatever they can. And like, they read the script and they're like, okay, kids like sports? <laughs> I'm going to just fill the room with that. That's all. Oh, they like science? Here's some lab equipment. Scott is a soccer player who is secretly a superhero. Whoa, spoiler alert. Oh, uh, I know what I'm going to do. Um, Just throw up a basketball poster on his door. <laughs> it's Boom, sports. It's, it's close enough, man. Let's slide. Uh, So after that, after Scott takes Randy out, they decide to ride their bikes to school, and this is where we meet Amy. They pass by her house. She also plays soccer. She's on the soccer team. Um, she tells Scott that there's she'll be the captain of the soccer team because there's this vote of who the captain of their, uh, I want to guess, recreational soccer league is coming up. Uh, they're fighting for that position. Scott says, a lot of questions about that later, but... <laughs> uh, Scott says, no, you're not going to be captain. Uh, Randy gets she's a off girl. His- yeah, yeah. I <laughs> interesting, right. inter- interesting timing. Uh, with this movie, just to have like this dynamic. And last Saturday, we got our first female college football player, <laughs> who was from a who was a originally a soccer player, and that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it really brought out the worst in people. But also, uh, it's just interesting timing as Scott is going to take shots at a girl and telling her she won't be, um, she's not going to be captain. Although Randy, is, although Randy is nice about it. He's like, I got my money on pigtails, even though she, her hair is in a ponytail. But he still supports her. It's close enough. Uh, after, like, Randy gets knocked off his bike here because Amy kicks the ball at Scott and misses. Whatever. Randy falls off his bike because it's funny. Uh, after that, they leave. Amy's mom comes out and tells her to ask Scott to the dance. Uh, in the previous scene of them riding their bikes over. Randy has also told Scott to ask her out because uh, there's obviously some chemistry there. Uh, but they both say they don't like each other. And then we go back to Scott's house where the parents have dug a large hole in the backyard to discard of this zucchini bread. This comes up later. So did you realize what was going on here? No, absolutely not. <laughs> did you? 
Well, yes, because it triggered in my head that I was like, right, <laughs> they're allergic. They're not, their weakness is tinfoil <laughs> um, or aluminum foil. Yeah. And that's going to happen a lot in this movie where, like, one tiny thing will happen and then I'll go, I remember, <laughs> the, I remember the next seven scenes after this. Yeah, they, uh, as somebody who was watching the first, the movie for the first time here, I was very confused because they don't talk about aluminum foil being a weakness until, I'm going to say, probably almost halfway into the movie. It doesn't really come up again until that halfway point. Yeah, it but... comes up, yeah, it comes up uh, a little later, yeah. But it's it's not clear here. You kind of go like you kind of think it's the zucchini bread. That's what I thought. I'm like, man, I get like being angry that somebody brought over zucchini bread because you were expecting something a tad better. But at least be nice about it. Right. You thought they you thought they would mention something in passing it when they were like digging the hole that uh, the tin foil was. Right. Just go like try not to touch the foil, son. And even though we'd be like, that's a dumb line. It still would make anyone who didn't know that they're allergic to tinfoil and make them aware to the situation. <laughs> Anybody who isn't watching them or is watching the movie for the first time so they could understand. I've probably seen this movie close to 10 times. That's impressive. I think I've watched this movie a lot. <laughs> um, as Just as a kid, I remember it being one of my favorite DCOMs early on. And just putting it on, especially after school. So I probably watched it a lot more than I'm going to remember. Yeah. So you're the expert on this podcast here. Yeah, but your notes probably outweigh <laughs> my information in my head. No, I, I, I respect that. I respect that because, you know, I can't remember anything. So Famously so. That's me, bro. Uh, so then we go to the school where Malcolm, the dude from earlier with Nina, uh, they're part of something called the Earth Protectors, which we'll learn a little about, a little more about later. And uh, he's in Scott's class here, and he's talking about the environment. And they have these computer programs that are given to the kids each night because they're like test dummies. Seems very unethical. I think we'll get into that a little later, probably. Right. They give every student in the eighth grade a computer, but the the clause is that they have to do these environment safety assignments every night. Yeah. Like if you've ever uh, gotten in trouble at like a college and they make you do those modules, it's kind of like that kind of vibe. I wouldn't know, but nerd. Do you, do you have any experience with that? Uh, once, but it's, it's very like, just don't do that again, but it's in the most like, this is clip art. This is stock photos. We're going to be very, very specific. It's going to be boring as well. I don't, I don't think me not getting that makes me a nerd. Me not I think it does. That, no, me not getting that just made me smart because I didn't go to a party. I just stayed home and went to bed. So a nerd. Uh, you're the one who was put on probation. Whatever, I'm going to graduate, I think. Uh, whatever. Uh, so after that class, Malcolm leaves. He gets into a van uh, that says Earth Protectors on it. And we see a bunch of tough guys just in the van. And we learn that the Earth Protectors are frauds as Malcolm throws some litter out of, a, out of the van as they drive away. Well, you seem very cool heading to the van where he was telling everybody, like, have a fun day at school and you better <laughs> recycle that. You seem like a very cool guy ahead of his time. 
Then he gets into the car and you figure out that he hates nature and um, then throws a gum wrapper on the ground, which just seems unethical. Also, that's not a big piece of trash. You can obviously throw that in your pockets. Yeah, or like if you want to get crazy with it, just drop it on the ground in the van. <laughs> yeah, it didn't look clean in the van. It's not like you're making the van worse than it is. Get it together, Malcolm. Um, I wanted to bring up bring up that in the classroom, the kid sitting behind Scott is wearing a Hawaiian shirt. It's another extra from Johnny Tsunami who has been lost and put into another decom, as we've seen recently. I wonder if there are any Hawaiian shirts from before. We, oh. From before Johnny Tsunami. I'm That's not watching thing. those movies again. Says you. Tune into our next podcast where we rewatch the rewatchings of re, 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 oh God. <laughs> we re listen to the rewatch of our. Of these decoms. I'm down. We gotta make money somehow. <laughs> We're losing money every episode we put out. This rock band mic isn't isn't holding together much longer. <laughs> uh, so Malcolm litters, and then we cut to Scott and his friends. They're being driven to a soccer game by his dad. We then cut to a bank where Malcolm uh, is trying to get money out of his account, but he got like a dollar in there. Um, but before the bank people tell him to leave, some of the Earth Protector software appears on the bank's computers, and Malcolm and the goons um, are given money by mind-controlled tellers. However, as one of the tough guys sneezes, and one of the teller, uh, tellers breaks out of this mind control, he calls for security, uh, which we learn is Scott's dad, as he gets a pager call uh, from them. So he drops the kids off at the side of the road. He switches into his superhero suit, and he flies to the bank. I mean, the craziest part of that scene is that somehow there was another kid in the back of Scott's dad's car. I did that. I said there was a random just fourth kid who came out of the car. He has one line in the other car scene in this movie, uh, making fun of Scott. Yeah. That is it. There's just, like, this dialogue here between everybody in the car. Randy makes some dumb jokes. (laughs) Everybody's talking about stuff. and. And the dad, the dad realizes that there's a bank robbery, so he pulls over the car, and this random kid comes out of it. Yeah, because it's like a minivan, and you got like the row behind him, but then you have that extra row in the back, but you can't see it in a car, so that kid just comes out randomly from there at the end. Yeah. Um, when, <laughs> when the dad takes off his clothes to get into his superhero suit, he just throws them on these rocks. And after the scene, you kind of just see Scott walk away to go to the soccer game. His dad's not getting those clothes back. I hope he knows that. I think he has to know that, you know. Somebody's going to see those clothes and want to claim them. They're nice it's clothes. Par- <laughs> Do you think it's part of the superhero job that you just expect to lose, like, some normal clothes every once in a while? I guess, but, like, yeah, you never see a superhero, like, walk around with, like, a duffel bag. The only thing I can think of is... Uh, I think it's in the Raimi Spider-Man movies where uh, Tobey Maguire throws out his suit. I think he pulls it out like of a duffel bag or something, but nobody ever carries it around. You're right. Yeah, well, that's to carry around a hidden Spider-Man suit that he wants to throw out. Like, if he's going to be Spider-Man, it's just under all of his clothes. Oh, true, true, true. But I guess also if you leave a bunch of clothes in a pile in a corner in Manhattan, (laughs) who's really going to take that? Yeah, nobody cares. Like, it's just like another normal day in the life. Uh, so the dad flies to the bank, and at the bank, his superhero name is the Bronze Eagle, we learn. 
and he's about to enter into this bank, but his wife, known as the Warrior Woman, throws the goons out of the window, uh, and they save the day. There's some superhero action here, of course. Nothing too crazy. Um, the, uh, they save the day. The parents argue about uh, the Bronze Eagle being late. They make up, and then they leave the bank. I feel like I missed something there, but also I didn't. It was real confusing, because they're fighting people outside of the bank, but we know it's not the people that robbed the bank. Yeah, these three goons also are beaten up later at the end of the movie. I'm pretty sure they're the same people. So these are just the beat-up people. Not only are they the beat-up people, they're not in the van in the scene before, so we don't notice. (laughs) Like, at no point do we see these people associated with bad guys unless they're getting beaten up. Like, it's really confusing. And then they run into their getaway van and get in a different van. My issue about the van was they get punched by the superheroes. The superheroes let him into the van, and then the superheroes just stop the van. There's no police. Like, there's police on the scene, but nobody stops them from getting in the van, which is my issue here. Yeah, if they just, like, not drive straight into the superheroes, they're home free. <laughs> yeah, like, the goons see the superheroes standing in front of them. And they're like, just drive. Just drive straight right into these people. And of course they have superpowers. Yeah, there's gonna be a few points in this movie where we just don't know why something happens. (laughs) Because common sense would recommend the complete opposite. Yeah. But I think we just gotta roll with it, or else we'll talk about it forever. Yeah, there's a lot to nitpick, but we're, we're not here to do that, I feel. No, no, no. We're here to heavily critique art. And not nitpick uh, Disney movies. Yeah, I think we should change the uh, that title of the podcast to reflect that that we are a high art critique podcast. Could work. Open a new open a new avenue of opportunities. So then we go to a soccer game where uh, did we Scott, talk? Did oh. we talk about how? Did we bring up how uh, Malcolm is talking to the police after? We did not. Malcolm is talking to the police after. And he's acting as if he was just a witness to the crime. Not really sure how that works, but... Also, security cameras? Just witnesses. <laughs> yeah, because, like... don't even need technology. The whole bank wasn't under mind control, I feel. It was just the tellers. Right. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, we go to Scott's soccer game with Randy and Amy, of course. Uh, there's a play where Scott doesn't pass the ball to the open Amy... Uh, so, so, and he misses a shot here, and then there's a conversation with the dad and the brother Adam in the stands, and here we learn that Scott might be normal and not have any superhero powers, because it doesn't look like he's getting his superhero powers at age 14, like he's supposed to. So in the 13th year, we learn that you become a mermaid at 13, and in this movie, we learn you become a superhero at 14. Actually, in the 13th year, you become, a, you become a mermaid after your 13th birthday. Sorry. In, in this one, you become a superhero before you're 14. <laughs> you got me on a technicality, okay? Um, right, his brother is the Silver Charger. I guess, should we just, should we run through their superpowers real quick? I think I think that's smart. Now that we okay, so we have the bronze eagle, which is a dad, which is a dad. He's got flight and super strength. 
Mm -hmm. Then we have the mom who is... Uh, Warrior Woman. Warrior Woman. Huh. Wonder wonder what that could be a play on. (laughs) And she has super strength, and I think that's it. And a motorcycle. (laughs) And a motorcycle that goes very fast. Yeah. Then we have Silver Charger, who's the coolest of them. His suit's the coolest. His suit is probably the coolest, but none of them are great. No, my favorite thing was they had the promo image on Disney Plus, and it, it looked like just a family going to a cosplay convention. That's the vibe it had. <laughs> all, and the worst part about it was all their costumes seemed one size too tight, especially their masks. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Silver Charger has speed. And he can do, like, an electricity thing that I don't know if it's, like, related to his speed. But that's going to seem up. like it. And, and he can wipe people's memory with that electric thing. Yeah, it comes in handy. And Scott's younger sister has laser vision and x-ray vision. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so those that's the are rundown. The that's the rundown so far. We'll run into a few more, but that's it for now. Yeah. Uh, My favorite part about this soccer game is that Scott, who so badly wants to be captain of the soccer team, takes a good 10 seconds to look away and turn his back to the game as he does a superhero pose to his parent, his dad, and his brother. Completely. Like, he didn't do anything. He just ran. Yeah, like, nothing. He didn't score a goal and then ran over (laughs) in Superman pose. He just stopped and did a super he very clearly shouldn't be the captain of this soccer team absolutely he, <laughs> he doesn't have the qualification time. i mean he refuses to acknowledge the best player on the team because she's a girl <laughs> uh he is not not a great leader he takes shots that he shouldn't you know and he's gonna put up 11 steals and three assists stat line which is impressive I think the three assists is pretty impressive because that implies three goals. Yeah. So maybe he's a better player than we think, but he's not, doesn't seem like a great leader. Not a captain. Right. So after that soccer game, we go to another conversation with Malcolm and Nina, where Nina says that the bank robbery was a terrible idea, idea because there's this disconnect between Nina and Malcolm where we learn this a little later. Nina wants to save the environment while Malcolm's in it to use her mind control that she made for money purposes. But here we also learn that the mind control program only works for adolescent brains. Right. Why didn't Malcolm know this? He seems like a really crappy business partner. It's just like like his mind control power, his great scheme, he doesn't know only works on kids and not adults. Works on adults later. Spoiler. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We haven't spoiled anything, don't... Yeah, we did. You said they were superheroes. <gasps> you spoiled that before we got to any superhero point. Uh-oh. And I think you ruined the podcast because you said that. All right, well, thanks for listening. Goodbye, guys. Bye. So we go back to Scott's house. You think they believe we... we're done? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we go back to Scott's house after that conversation, another unimportant conversation between Malcolm and Nina, really. Uh, where we get a little showcase of Molly and Adam's powers that Tony talked about earlier. And then we see on the news information about the robbery that happened at the bank where the footage is just movie footage of the superheroes fighting. Um, That's the footage the news has. And then 
the important part here is that Adam says that the bank tellers don't remember anything that happened. Adam's the brother. Have we said that? I think we did. Adam's the brother. Scott's the main character. Molly's the sister? Yeah, Scott's the middle child. Molly's the younger sister. Adam's the older brother. Jim's the dad. And why do we keep forgetting her name? Uh, Judy is the mother. Um, not much to say in terms of these the characters here. Robert Townsend is the dad, and he was kind of a big comedian for for a while there. He was in a lot of things, but most importantly, he directed "Got You Up, Up and Away." You got me. You got me. I wasn't even thinking of anything, but you still got me. Also, Adam is played by Casson Butcher, and he was on Malcolm in the Middle for a little while, which is fun. But even more uh, exciting is his IMDb bio is made by himself. Oh, we got another one of those? Yeah, but uh, I just wanted to point out the first line, which says, Every so often, a prodigy is born of immeasurable talent and potential. Casson Butcher doesn't really fall into this category, but he's a nice guy, nonetheless. I thought that was going in a completely different direction, but I'm glad. I'm glad I went in the other one. Oh, we have two more actors to bring up. <laughs> oh, here? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we then go to Scott's room where he's sketching a superhero outfit as his dad walks in. Uh, they're talking about the soccer game and more about superheroes. But the big thing here is he convinces Scott that it takes some superheroes until the day before their 14th birthday to get their powers, which is a big, fat lie. Is that a lie? Or is the fact that people can get them after a lie? No, most, peop- most of the superheroes get their powers way before their 14th birthday. Right, most get it way before, some get it the day before. No, no. they don't. Yeah. They didn't say that. Yes, he does. He lists, he's like, oh, can some people get it the day, the day of their 14th birthday? Yeah. And you know, who, you know who he names? Jello Girl. That's not a real superhero. He names like Flame, he names like Fire Guy also. He's obviously going through like fake superhero names that uh, Scott will believe. No, those people are real. Um, <laughs> promise. You can believe that. You're wrong. <laughs> No, you can get it before. Why couldn't you? Why wouldn't you be able to get it on your fourteenth birthday? Because they could like build. Not necessarily. They what? come out of they come out of nowhere in this, and they all believe it. So why couldn't it come out of nowhere a day later? Well, it hasn't happened before. That's what the dad says. Because there's a conversation. That's not what he says. There's a conversation between the dad and the mom after this, where the mom's like, "You just got to tell him that he's not going to get his powers." And dad's like, no. No, she's mad at him because he told Scott that Scott might be able to get his powers after his 14th birthday. Fine. Oh, no. I don't know either. Either you didn't hear something or I just missed something. I heard everything. You had the captions off. You said that yourself. But I heard it anyway. I didn't need confirmation. You said you were going to have some issues and this might be one. No, I'm (laughs) 100% right here. Whatever. Let's move on as we calm down a little bit. Um, after this, we go back to a, another useless conversation between Malcolm and Nina, uh, where they the big thing is they're talking about how there's now superheroes after them. Uh, after that, we go back to Scott's house, where the mom is talking about to the dad about having Scott to tell Scott the truth, 
but the dad says to give it another day. Um, but we get the decom cliche of you guessed it, kid behind the wall hearing some something he wasn't supposed to hear. Ooh. It's exciting. It's exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh so Scott's hears this conversation, and then I don't I think this is the same day. But we cut to Scott unscrewing a door in from his wall as yeah, it's the same day. As Jim's parents arrive, the dad's parents arrive, uh, and we meet uh, Scott's grandpa and grandmother, if you want to talk about the actors here. Well, before we get to this, can we talk about, they're like, they're like, well, we'll just have to cancel his party if he's not a superhero. If you know he's not going to turn into a superhero for his 14th birthday, start planning a real party or a normal <laughs> party so that you're not a terrible parent here. Well... Scott will be an embarrassment to the whole Marshall family if they invite all the superheroes over and he doesn't have his powers. Right, so just invite his friends over. Does Scott have friends? It'd be Randy and Amy and the fourth kid in the minivan. Yeah, just invite the soccer team. That's smart. You're right. You're right. You got me there. Um, There's a lot of question marks to the idea of let me unscrew the door so that I can pretend to have super strength for the rest of my life. I mean, he didn't think that far ahead, but it did work. You gotta give him that. It, well, it worked until he had to, like, demonstrate it a second time. But it worked in the moment, and that's what matters. Hard to argue there. Um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll learn a lesson from this movie later. Maybe. Maybe perhaps of not lying to people. But we'll, we'll see. Well, I don't have problems lying to people. Um, I know you don't. Do you, do you recognize the grandfather? I don't. And I know you're sad because I read where, where he's from. Right. Uh, it's, uh, it's Sherman Hemsley, also known as George Jefferson of the Jeffersons. And, I mean, he's awesome in this. Oh, my God. He's my favorite part of the best film. part. He is the best part of this film. I, th- I think one of my favorite movie things is when they put an old man in a spandex superhero costume. I think it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> what is he? On that hill. <laughs> Is he the steel, steel eagle? No, he is the steel condor. The steel condor. And the reason I remember is this is because he has beef with Superman because he took the steel. The heck is Superman? The man steel. of steel. The man of steel. He he had the steel condor name before Superman took the man of steel name, but Superman had a better publicist, and that's why there's beef. I have a feeling this podcast is going to be incomprehensible for the listeners. <laughs> I think you're right. The next line I have is that the, they had Spider-Man and Mary Jane over. And I think the movie might be the least confusing part. I, our retelling feels rough. I mean, the movie makes sense when you're watching it, but trying to retell what happens, it's just such a quick back and forth between these scenes where nothing really happens but stuff happens at the same time. Right, nothing really happens. It, that's the more of it. And then it's like, it's all quick, and then you're like, wait, there was that tiny thing that we didn't mention that is actually quite important, especially if you are taking notes and then you realize <laughs> that later. Yeah, but this is where I got to the point where I'm like, this is the MCU, DCU universe because they mentioned Superman, and Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Right. It's... Up, 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 and away brings it all together. Yeah, why wasn't Silver Charger there fighting Who the heck is Thanos? Silver Charger? The son. 
Adam. Oh, isn't he an eagle? Doesn't he have eagle? Never mind. It's unimportant. We're getting more incomprehensible. <laughs> it's fine. I no no one no one should want to retelling of this movie. No, not that it's a bad movie. Just watch the movie. Don't listen to us. Yeah. You're here for our banter. You're not here for our our film analysis. This isn't horse sense. We don't have anything helpful. <laughs> Life isn't just horse sense, guys. Uh, so, as Tony said, Scott pretends to use super strength to pull the door off the hinges, off the wall. And this convinces everybody that he has super strength. We then go to dinner, and with everybody happy for Scott, uh, Molly here, the little sister, mentions that she saw Scott trying to fly earlier, so everybody wants to see him do it because it's the toughest thing a superhero can do. So while everybody's inside, Scott said, uh, Scott grabs a, the soccer ball from his room, he goes outside, and he goes up, up, and away because that's the name of the movie. And instead of flying, he throws the soccer ball, which hits some leaves in the tree, which convinces everybody inside that he is flying. Well... It hits the tree, and they're all like, oh, oh, no, he hit the tree. And then it <laughs> hits the ground, and no one heard that one. Um, quit while you're ahead. <laughs> well, every, everything that makes uh, Scott lie more is all because of Molly. Everything that makes Scott lie more is because of Scott. You're right. You're right. She's like, oh, he was trying to practice flying. And he could have been like, yeah, I can't fly. And, but he was like, <laughs> yeah, I was. You're right, you're right. That would have been the smart move. That would have been the reasonable move. That would have right. been some common sense. I was trying to practice flying. Couldn't fly. The end. <laughs> I still have super strength, though, if we're going to continue that. Right, right. I am super strength. No further questions. <laughs> I plead the fifth. So everybody runs outside here, and the mom starts to get a little nervous that he's flying and he hasn't flown before. So he gets Jim to fly to Scott, the dad to fly to get Scott, but um, Scott pretends that he lands because he was hidden behind I think something outside. I don't just know. Just on the other side of the house. <laughs> and he pops and he's like, ta-da, I, I did the landing. If anyone took a left turn, they'd see Scott in a cape. Taking a left turn is hard sometimes, because it's not right. It's wrong. Oh, man, that, that joke really fell flat. Yeah. <laughs> So let's continue. I'll leave it uh, at that. <laughs> thanks. Uh, Scott lands, and everybody's celebrating, and then the grandpa says, uh, you guys can go inside. I'm going to give Scott some tips on how to fly. But as they start to walk away, he tells Scott that he knows Scott is lying about being able to fly. So Scott convinces his grandpa to not tell anybody. Oh, his dad won't be embarrassed at Scott's party in front of all his superhero friends. Uh, so the grandpa agrees here. Uh, uh, yeah. The grandfather is complicit in Scott's crime against the superhero code, really. He's not sworn into the code yet, so that's a little loophole. But he also puts this lady's life in danger later by being complicit. A lot of, lot of, uh, danger. A lot of complicity by everybody. And a lot of putting that lady's life in danger by everybody at a superhero party yeah but we'll get to that uh the next day scott is doing his homework on the computer with the earth protector program and he starts to get a little bit mind control but his dad walks in and sees this and he begins to connect some dots because of the uh the my the tellers of the bank for getting stuff earlier 
So then the dad goes downstairs where Adam is talking about how... There's no way he should make this connection. They've jumped to a lot of conclusions in this film. And I feel like that's a decom thing where two things happen that one person didn't see the other thing happening and they connect the dots anyway. Yeah, I mean, there is zero way he should make the connection that his son staring at a computer too long. Who knows if he was hypnotized. All right, we're back. We had to pause for a plane flying over Ethan's house. I live in an airport. You're Tom Hanks. I guess, but I was just going to say, that's probably a good decom idea. Kid living in the airport, learns how to fly planes. I think we should submit this to Disney. Unaccompanied minor. In the airport terminal. You ever see that movie? No. Well, it's a Christmas movie about a bunch of kids that are, like, stuck in an airport during Christmas break. And for the longest time, I was positive that the main kid in the movie was Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> uh, up until, like, a week or two ago where I realized it apparently wasn't. Was it just some curly-haired kid? It looks like Jesse Eisenberg. I don't know how, I don't know what to tell you. Um, it, it had, uh, Chris from Everybody Hates Chris in it. Tyler James they, William. Future like DCOM star. Future DCOM star. Uh, they weren't fans. They were unaccompanied minors. As the title would, uh, imply, I guess. Right. So I guess if you combine that movie and Terminal with Tom Hanks, which is based off of a true story, and you combine them, you can make them into the perfect decom. I think Disney would be down. You're welcome, Disney. Cut this out of the podcast. We'll, t- we'll talk about this. We're talking about this. Uh, so the dad goes downstairs and Adam is talking about how some jail cell doors opened automatically and let the bank robbers escape. I guess it was shown in the last Malcolm and Nina scene, or just, I think Malcolm was there. Uh, They were hacking into the jail. I don't know really what this company's doing, but they let the bank robbers escape. And then the dad's like, we should probably go check this out at the bank. Yeah. The villain in this movie, the villains in this movie are very like, they're very one dimensional. Yeah. And no one's really trying to figure out the second dimension. And if they gave it a shot, Maybe they'd be stronger, but they're pretty, but they're pretty, like, penetrable. Like, nothing's really strong about Malcolm and Nina. Yeah, they just have, one's the environment person, one's the money person. That's their motivation. Right. Like, their main thing is somehow this girl built a mind control device. Yeah, I, I like, there's a scene at the end where she kind of, like, gets, she doesn't get in trouble for it, but Nina is very in the wrong here trying to uh, mind-control children. Oh, yeah, and everybody's at fault. Yeah, I don't think it's talked about enough. Like, Malcolm gets most of the blame, but Nina was still trying to control mind-control, um, was still trying to mind-control children. It's real bizarre. I don't, I don't have an answer for anything going on here. So superheroed up, Adam and the dad go to the bank, and they're checking on the computer that supposedly has evidence here. Maybe security footage. I don't know why it wasn't brought up earlier. But that's not the point. Adam shocks, uses his electricity, and shocks the computer way too hard, and it fries everything. Everybody gets mad at Adam here because he shocks and fries all the information in the computer. It's not the same computer. It's not the same computer. Also, you got to have the data on every computer, probably. You're a company. Well, it's the, like, it's, they're seeing if, like, the program that hacked their computer is in there. Oh. One, it makes no sense how anything would have gotten on those computers. And two, it's not the same computer. You're right. 
It's not even, they don't even try. It's not even the computer that the guy from the original scene is sitting at because he's at a different computer in the background of the shot. I mean, you're right. That, that's all I can say here. Uh, what I do have to give the movie props for, though, is the effects do look better in this movie compared to the other ones we've seen. Right, 13, 13 episodes later. Like, yeah, definitely the effects are getting better. Um, yeah, yeah I, I will say that. It feels like it's getting, production level is getting better. Yeah, just want to bring that it up. Can, it can definitely take a nosedive. <laughs> and it will probably. Oh, yeah. Um, so after that bank scene, we go back to school, and the class is all wearing blue. And uh, Malcolm and Nina, who apparently just sit outside in their van of uh, school all day, are very happy about this because that means their mind control is working. Uh, we then go to lunch where Adam, the brother, is there for some reason. And Amy here throws a balled up piece of aluminum foil at Scott the catch. But because Scott's going to go catch it because that's what he does as a normal person, Adam catches it instead. And here is actually where we learn that aluminum foil is the kryptonite of these superheroes because it changes their molecular structure if we're going to get science about it. And that Scott needs to look out for this in the future, even though he doesn't have any powers. Right. Uh, so we then see Malcolm uh, make everybody in the blue get some chocolate, I guess, to further prove the point of the mind control working. And here is Wait, hold, he on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can we point out how no one notices... Adam's reaction to catching an, a ball of aluminum foil. We're just going to brush past that. Do you think the other people see the green uh, energy coming out of that? If you got to think, if, uh, if Scott sees it, everyone sees it. <laughs> I don't know. Even just being in pain from catching an aluminum foil. Well, ball yeah. Then, then he like, they're sitting on a, on a cafeteria table. First, why is Adam at an eighth grade? <laughs> An eighth grade school. Exactly. Everyone knows eighth grade schools are exclusively in one building, and then every other grade goes separate building. That's a you problem, bro. Um, why is he there? Second off, why <laughs> he curls into like I get he's in pain, but then he like hides behind a wall. <laughs> Someone's gotta notice. I mean, they're eighth graders. They're pretty pretty oblivious, probably. And the whole bit was that they were throwing this aluminum foil ball at Scott. And then they get this reaction and everyone's like, well, who cares now? Yeah, Randy doesn't even put the pieces together that the aluminum foil on the zucchini bread and the aluminum foil on the ball had very similar effects. Right. It's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Um, but after that, Malcolm makes everybody in blue get the cho some chocolate for fun. And then here... I think he's talking to this goon named Barker. I don't know. We don't, don't learn his name until later. Barker's... There's something so funny to me about this character, and I can't put my head... I think I know what it is. It's because he's cast as this tough guy, but he always sneaks in a smile into everything he does. <laughs> he's smiling 90% of the time in this movie. He's having <laughs> the time of his life, yeah. He's just so happy to be there. Right, there's nothing scary about him. Yeah. Which is a lot of issue with DCOM and uh, the people who are supposed to be tough, not just being tough one bit. He is big, though. I'll give him that. He is big. Um, but here, uh, Malcolm tells Barker that he just wants money using the mind control instead of helping the environment like Nina. And then we go back to Scott's house where we see the family watching another newscast 
where they're announcing that there is a new evil mastermind in their town and that they are developing an antivirus computer program, which they actually can't make because they just wanted to buy some time. Right, they don't know anybody who can help them with computer. Even with that whole network of superheroes, they can't figure out anybody else to they, do it. They don't know the McAfee guy. <laughs> they don't work with government agencies. No, no, they're in trouble. Superheroes can't save the day. Who knew? So after that, we go to the backyard where Scott is going to practice some flying with his dad. Uh, but his dad decides to just hold him in his arm and take him up flying. And he's like, okay, it's basically like riding a bike. And he just drops him out of the sky. But since Scott actually doesn't have any powers, he just falls. But apparently he's okay. Because in the next scene, they show up to their soccer game. And the only issue is they're a little bit late. I don't even know how they're late. I don't know either. And how did the mom beat them there? Yeah, did they just fly in the mom's like, oh, I guess I'll leave now without my child to their game. Well, so do they not need to pick up other kids on the way to the game? Uh, yeah, it sounds like they carpool all the time. I don't yeah. know. I, I just don't know, understand how they're late to the game. And they're very late to the game. Like, the coach is like, the coach is like, well, if they're not, he you know, they're not here, we're going to have to forfeit the game. And then they show up. And then uh, Amy's like, oh, I'm glad you showed up. I didn't want to, I didn't want to win the, I didn't want to win the captain position by default. And he's like, yeah, I would have hated that. And then they don't vote for the captain. No, this whole movie, it seems like a month of the team preparing to pick the captain for the team, but, and then they don't do it until the end. Right. Why does, the, why does the soccer team keep... Why does the soccer team pick its captain a month into the season? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> answer me. I've got no I need answer. answers. I need answers. You come to a DCOM podcast, so we're not going to have any answers. <laughs> um... So uh, after they show up late to the soccer game, we then go back to Malcolm and Nina, where Malcolm just has some school kids working for him now, because uh, that's legal. And I don't think he cares about that, but whatever. He says he's going to get this program into 20 million young minds. And then after that, we go to Scott's birthday party, where he is getting sworn in as uh, they combine the two names of the dad and the mom into Warrior Eagle. All right, and slow down. I'm sorry. Uh, I wish I paid more attention to these superheroes because I feel like it definitely could have been a fun time. Oh, I paused it because I, I was going to get to that after I finished the uh, being sworn in scene. Oh, well, that's the least important part about that scene. We can brush out over that later. Uh, I'll say my thing and then you, you can have the floor again. Okay. Reach is here and he's played by Scott Owen. Why is that important? Because he's going to be in Halloween Town too. <laughs> What? Someone is in another decom in this movie. Oh, is he the only one? He is the only one. <laughs> Did you really dig for that one? Yes. <laughs> I I applaud your effort and dedication to the decom craft. Thank you. That's what I'm here uh, for. So I did pause the superhero party and I wrote down some standouts at it. Okay. Uh, we have a superhero. Wait, can we make it a game? How do you want to do a game out of it? I don't know. You have the information, so you'd have to come up with the game. I mean, you're really putting me on the spot if here. We can, if we can't, we can't. I don't think we can. I don't think we can, uh -huh. to be quite honest All with right. you. Because I just listed some uh, people. Uh, there is a lady 
who is dressed very much like Patrick Starr. Uh, there is a dude in an obvious muscle suit, like the one you get from Halloween, because all the, like, the costumes are pretty good. This one, you can see the puffy biceps. But uh, there's also another guy who just got his costume from the Halloween store. He is a Roman gladiator. And then there are also just two normal people there at the party. That's not explained. Three. Three John Scott. Okay, whatever. Three. Two people dressed normally at the party. <laughs> Um, right, so he, they named him Warrior Eagle, which is dumb, but whatever. My main problem here is this logo. On his chest? It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Well, we didn't give high praise to the costumes earlier, I feel. No, you did give high praise. You said all the costumes look pretty good, except the masks look too tight. I said it was a family going to uh, Comic-Con on a lower budget. The, I'm, all I'm saying is the logo is just the word we. In a very ugly font, you're right. And it's yeah. absolutely, um, it's just so ugly. So <laughs> I can your say. in-depth analysis on it? It's very yes. ugly. It's very ugly. <laughs> um, so he's getting sworn in, he hesitates, but then after a little bit of peer pressure from everybody, he says he'll be a superhero. We then go back to Malcolm and Nina once again, where Malcolm is like, hey, Nina, go put this homing device on Bronze Eagle when he shows up. Uh, but she hesitates, and then she agrees, though. Malcolm and Barker leave the building here, and then the building blows up. They blow up the building. Yeah, they, Nina's still inside. Yeah. yeah. It's their secret ploy to get, to get Bronze Eagle to show up. Why they know it's going to be Bronze Eagle? Because apparently <laughs> there's a lot of superheroes. Because they all got their pagers beeping in the next scene. Shockingly, Spider-Man... Spider-Man could go to dinner with George Jefferson and his wife, but Spider-Man couldn't make it to Scott's party? All right. Spider-Man's a flake. Oh, that's believable. <laughs> um, so the building blows up. She's stuck inside. And then we go back to the party where all the superheroes are getting the message of this, uh, this fire happening. But everybody agrees to t send Scott because saving a lady in a burning building is superheroing 101. 101. So uh, he fakes flight again. He throws, he does the old, the good old soccer ball trick. And then he rides his bike over to, where is this? Is this, this isn't the Earth Protector's building, is it? It can't be. It's just an abandoned warehouse. Something um, should have gone off in Nina's mind that something was up. I assume, I assume that was like some sort, like, I don't get it. There's a lot I don't get about this scene. So why don't, like, you just give, like, a run-through of the whole scene, and yeah. then I'll go in, and I, because I have a lot of issues here. Okay, okay. So Scott gets to there. He runs past some police officers and firemen. He runs straight into the building, where apparently Nina couldn't just walk out the front door, where Scott is able to walk into the building and get to Nina with no issues. Uh, he gets Nina to the roof because he doesn't have any superpowers. He can't, like, fly right out of there. But here we cut back to the house at the party where everybody at the party is watching the TV because this town has the best new co news coverage of literally anything. But the grandpa sees what's happening here. And he's like, yo, Jim, uh, your kid doesn't have any superpowers. Somebody needs to help him. We then cut back to the building on fire. And using a fire hose from inside of the building, Scott and Nina attempt to slide down the side of the building here, but Scott's mask falls off, and then the hose from inside of the building disconnects, 
but and they start to fall down. But as they fall, the bronze eagle saves them both, and Scott is sent back home. And that's what that. Means. All right. So I have like eight issues. Okay, let's scene. run through them. Point number one: Why does anybody know that an abandoned building is on fire? <laughs> And why do they know so quickly? I told you, they got the best news media in the town. They're always there. Number two, why does anyone know a woman is trapped in there? That's true, that's true. Three, who's giving all this information to anybody? Four, you brought this up. He just walked into the building. He has no issues getting to Nina. Five, the firemen could have walked in. Uh, and even if they didn't walk in there, when Nina and uh, Scott get to the top of the roof, Firemen's have ladders. Do you know that? Because they didn't. Uh, yeah. Instead of having them try to slide down a fire hose, they just, uh, they could have used a ladder, but you can continue. The firemen could have walked in. The firemen should have gone in at any point. Yeah. Um, she apparently could have walked out. Yeah. If she had a problem with the fire, which I'm not sure she does. <laughs> Why doesn't anyone go in after him? Yeah, it's just a kid in a cave. And... Oh, I have another one that says, why is there a crowd of people watching? Because, you know, any good, any good superhero saving needs a crowd to cheer them on and just clap after the fact. They do it at the bank, and they do it here. It's just everybody looks around, and they're like, oh, we're supposed to clap now for the superhero. There was a fire, and they all just, like, gathered to watch a building and a woman burn. Because <laughs> no one was going to go in after it's like when they wave a cruise ship's uh, leaving. It's the same thing. Uh, and I just, I still have no idea why Nina's okay with this. Also, that was the thing. Why couldn't they just go back out, out the way that Scott came in? More fire appears. It does appear after Scott comes in. But that doesn't negate the fact that Nina could have left way before that. Uh, right. I, I also have some issues. You've covered some of them as well. Um, so when they're going down the hose, how do, like, Scott's kind of carrying Nina down as well. They make it clear that Scott's carrying her down. He doesn't have super strength. How's he holding up this grown woman? No, he's not carrying her down. She's doing all of the heavy lifting. If you watch that scene back, <laughs> she is doing 90% of the work. He is holding on to her. But he says, or they, or she says that he's holding on to her. Visually, I know visually. I understand what you're saying. It looks like she is she is climbing down that she is climbing down that hose, and he is like only dragging her down. No, you're correct. You're correct. But that's not what the dialogue is saying. And then my uh my last point was even though this town has the best media coverage in the in the universe, it seems like they cannot get a close up shot shot of this kid whose mask has now fallen off and the bronze eagle saves them. I, I feel like there's this big issue of uh, Scott's identity being revealed here that nobody cares about. Yeah. Nina's gonna get the mask here and bring it back to Malcolm and they're gonna act as if it's a big win, but for some reason she didn't catch his face. And because Scott recognizes her face later. Scott's gonna recognize her face. She definitely should recognize Scott's face, but I don't that's the answer to most things in these movies. It's like we bring them up and it's just like, I don't know, man. They didn't think this far. We're, we're analyzing this. Anyway. Anyway, uh, we go back to Scott's house where he gets in trouble for lying to his parents here. Uh, and then after that, we see the kids being driven to school by Amy's mom where everybody is talking about the news of this 
dumb kid in a cape trying to save this woman. And Scott gets real angry here because they were making fun of him. Um, I think the fourth kid speaks here, but that's really it. Um, we then go to school where the kids are getting more programs to test on their computers. We go back to Scott's room where his grandpa gives a little speech. He's like, you can be anything you want to be now that you're not a superhero. Yeah. Yeah, he says it's not just a gift that makes your dad a hero, which is nice. true. I would think that it's the super strength or the flight. <laughs> Who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, we then see the kids get mind controlled with the new Earth Protectors program, and this time it makes them steal money from their parents. There's got to be a better way to make money in an evil scheme when you have mind control other than getting kids to steal maybe 30 bucks each from their parents. Just do like a fundraiser. Give all the kids chocolate bars, have them sell them. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then if that doesn't work, have mind control them again and then have them buy all the chocolate bars. Pretty simple. Yes. Uh, we then go to breakfast in the house. Should Everybody we cut that idea also out of the podcast, just in case we need that for later? For the airport movie? No, for when we hypnotize people. I thought this is what this whole podcast was, just a ploy to hypnotize people. You can cut that out. Yeah, we know we might. Uh, hey, cool, cool, cool. Uh, at breakfast, everybody in the family brings up missing some money, and then Molly, using her x-ray vision, sees the money in Scott's backpack and calls him out for it. And now Scott is not allowed to play soccer for a month, I bet they still wouldn't be able to pick captains by then. What does that mean? So no soccer for a month is a crazy punishment. As, especially as part of a team sport. Right. Like, like, maybe, like, yeah, no game. But, like, no soccer for a month is crazy. Like, you know this kid is having a tough time with the fact that he's not a superhero. Mm -hmm. And then you're just going to take away the one thing he does with his life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're pretty good parents. This probably wasn't their best decision. Not great. Not not a great choice. Uh, we then go back to school where Scott is talking to Randy here about the whole money situation. Um, but nobody here in this conversation remembers anything about stealing any money. And then Randy hands Barker uh, some money because he's just at school collecting it. Nobody questions it. The teacher says, Man, how do you get him to hand in their stuff? I can't even get him to hand in their homework when she should be concerned of uh, these kids just handing in money to random people. It's just a, like it's not Malcolm. She's met <laughs> one of these people. It's Malcolm. And then there's this guy who's just sitting at a table collecting money from hundreds of kids. He's got a nice smile, though, that convinces the ladies. He does, and that, and honestly, I think that's what does it, is he just seems so, like, he seems so innocent. <laughs> I, th I think we actually cracked the code. I think we figured something out for once. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> we did it. Uh, after that, we go back to Malcolm and Nina, where Malcolm says that he won't do anything to, they're looking for the match with the mask in their school database, I guess. He says he won't do anything to, ki to the kid because he saved Nina, but when they match the mask with Scott, Malcolm says that he has to pay him for a visit. All right. Which doesn't tick off Nina one bit. All right. Um, hey, I, I guess, yeah, we, we covered this, but also, like, they go through this whole database of, like, oh, where does the mask fit on all of these students that go to the school? The mask hides maybe his nose. Yeah. Uh, 
their superhero identities aren't really like i feel like it's pretty noticeable the dad has a very noticeable like mustache i feel uh the mom has some pretty noticeable hair yeah yeah, and just the mask doesn't cover much of her face either. The only one who really has it covered is uh, Adam. But who wears even, a goggle. Yeah, goggles. But even in the last scene, he just takes it off. He's barely recognizable. Yeah. You don't need to run him through a database, which I don't know how you have that database. They gotta have the facial dimensions of all these kids. Was <laughs> that part of the Earth Protectors program? Who knows? Right. So after that, we go back to the school where Scott is sent to the principal's office to test out the newest upgrade to the Earth Protectors program, which is basically just a ploy for Scott to tell Malcolm information about his family. And then after that, Scott talks with Randy afterwards. And when uh, Scott says that he thinks he was in there, the principal's office for just a minute, Randy says that he missed two classes and he was gone for two hours. And this weird Scott out. Also, Randy here says that before Scott goes to the principal's office, that he says, remember, corporal punishment is illegal in this state. I'm just confused 90% of the time throughout my life. So why is this movie no different? Um, what, what, what do they, why do they need to ask him questions about his parents and then hand him a special disc to go home and watch with his parents? But his parents are, like, why can they all of a sudden mind control parents? Yeah, that's not explained. Um, I guess I'm jumping ahead. No, you're jumping a little bit ahead, but there's no, there's no explanation. I think it's at this point where the motivations switch of, especially Malcolm, but nothing here is explained compared to nothing that was really explained before, but it still changes nonetheless. Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I told you that we're gonna we're doing that a lot. That's all we can really do. Um, uh, after that, we go back to the classroom where everybody is handed new Earth Protector program, but uh, Scott gets his own personal program because he's a superhero, kind of. Family. Um, but here, Scott sees Nina getting into the Earth Protector's van from the window in this classroom, and he knows that she was from the fire, so he runs out, to the, uh, runs out of the classroom here, but he knocks Amy over, which comes into play a little bit later. Well, he's given a special disc, and it has a red E on it. Why is it a red E? Why, why would you not just, like, do a normal disc and, like, write Scott's name on it? It's a little ominous to give him the red E. <laughs> We gotta know that this disc is evil. <laughs> Do you know it's evil? Well, so why didn't they give it to him when he was when they were hypnotizing him? It would have been smart just to cover your tracks and not involve another third party. Exactly. Uh, we then go back home where we then go back home where Scott tells his parents his, that their mind control theory about the whole Earth Protectors thing might be correct, but. Scott makes the mistake of bringing the whole thing back to the stealing money issue, so the parents really don't believe him here. But since the parents, one of the requests was that they have to do this program with the parents, so they sit down to do it. Um, he puts the disc in, expecting something to happen since he got his own personal program, but it's just a poorly animated video about compost, which makes his parents think he's lying. So they all they all like gear up to fight the computer, but really the only person that can do anything against a computer is Adam. 
the parents were going to punch the computer. Right. Worry. Okay. Uh, so I'm right. Uh, <laughs> but if, th- if this was the real disc, they'd all be in trouble. Yeah, because they'd be hypnotized as well. They would have instantly been hypnotized. So after the family goes through that whole computer program thing, we go to Amy's house where she is also doing the homework with her mom. And she puts her program into the computer. The mom puts her program into the computer. And this puts the mom into mind control because we learn a little bit later that when Scott bumped into Amy running out of the classroom, they switch discs. And the next day, Amy's mom walks into a bank and says, this is a holdup. And everybody just is like, I believe you. And they put their hands up. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, like, they're like... She apparently robs the bank. Everybody knows it's her that robs the bank. And then she leaves, no problem, and heads over to the warehouse. We discussed this earlier. The police in this town and the firemen in this town are extremely terrible, bad at their jobs. Yeah, just this town. Whatever. Usually firefighters have them good. (laughs) But they don't know how to use a ladder in this town. Whatever. Um... We love our first responders. Well, are these guys really technically first responders? No, the superheroes are, and I love them. <laughs> I love, I love the Mal. The what's their last name? I said it earlier. I love the superheroes. <laughs> they're really kind of like it, the superheroes are the first. They're the marshals. The superheroes are the first <laughs> responders, and then it's like the news outlet. <laughs> Then it's the crowds to gather and watch crime. Yeah. And then it's the police and firefighters. Also, they have an absurd amount of superheroes in this town, really. Or do they all travel from out of the town for this party? I had a, I have a feeling they traveled out of, out of town from the party. But still, it's a lot in the close vicinity to each other, I feel. Right. Well, they all, they all got like their little... They all got the alert about the fire, but I think that was just, they were proximity-wise close to the fire. That sounds like something pagers did back then. They were superhero pagers, man. You do have a point. Thank you. (laughs) So after that, we go back to another Nina and Malcolm scene, where Amy's mom walks into the uh, Earth Protector's building, and she says that she is reporting for duty. And Malcolm's like, I got to deal with this. So Nina, go fix the program for some reason. Well, he tells her to go fix, fix the program because Amy's mom shows up because they don't know that it got swapped. The confusing part here is she's like, where are they? They're late. And he's like, why? I had them pick up. I had them do a few errands for me before they got here. Meaning he can code the the mind control. Yeah. And... He doesn't actually need Nina because would, he can do it also. It would prevent a lot of issues that he goes through. Right. Without Nina. Just a thought. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can talk to him about it. Oh. So, so next time, we'll get him on the pod and we can tell him how he can better, better his evil plan. Yeah. Um, where are we? I got it. Um, so after that, we go back to school where Randy and Scott are in class. And Randy somehow heard this information that Amy's mob robbed the bank. And he tells Scott this. And when Scott hands in his program to his teacher, this is where we learn that the discs were switched because they're all supposed to return the programs. 
and since Scott had the red Dumb. E on it, whatever. Scott's program had the red E on it. He handed in the one with the regular packaging. It clicks in his mind that they were switched, and then he runs out of the classroom. Yeah, his teacher's like, oh, Scott, this isn't the one I handed you yesterday. And he's like, oh, it's not? And she's like, no. And, and then, then they just away. Bo- And then they both just go on with their day. <laughs> and then she allows them with no resistance to leave class. Right, they leave class to go uh, save Amy's mom. And how do they save Amy's mom? Well, they call George Jefferson. The best superhero there is. The best superhero there is. Um, so, th- yeah, they run out of the classroom. He calls the grandpa. And then we go to the Earth Protectors building where the mom, the dad, and Adam are already there. But when they go in, uh, Scott's mask is hanging from the ceiling. And they all get trapped in a cage made out of aluminum foil. And this is where it clicked to me that the reason they chose aluminum foil as their superhero's kryptonite is so they can make a cheap set later. Uh, probably. I'm right. Well, yeah, they wanted to, like, be able to kind of mix it in. And then... But it also is very clear that whatever the cage that they make around people is just... Like, it's an actual cage, and then it's just covered with aluminum foil. Yeah. (laughs) It's a cheap way to do it. What I don't get is why... Why, when they were directing this movie, they didn't tell Kevin Connolly to take those sunglasses off, as all they did was bounce the reflection of the aluminum foil right back into the camera. (laughs) I I didn't notice that, but I did notice that when... I think it might be in the next scene where uh, Adam takes off his helmet. It's only to show that he's losing his power with the green eyes because you can see the eyes in, with the dad and the mom when the aluminum foil starts to affect them. But they had Adam take off his mask just so we could see the green eyeballs. Uh, so they get trapped in that cage. And then um, Malcolm starts to be evil and stuff, which Nina sees here. And then he tells her to shut up. That's basically what happens there. Uh, yeah. Right, Nina's getting a re- Nina gets real mad that her brain control software is used to control brains for evil. Who who would have thought mind control would be used for evil? It never happens. A- any mind control is evil, even if you're doing it for a good cause. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Stay out of people's minds. Um, so then we go back to the school where Scott basically uh in- admits to Amy that your mom robbed the bank, which Amy knew already, apparently, and that he was the kid on the side of the building who they were making fun of earlier. And then they all get in their bikes and head to the Earth Protectors building. Man, Uh, good thing they all ride bikes to school. I wish I could ride a bike. I'd be left out of this group. (laughs) He he would. (laughs) (laughs) The sad realities. Um, My issue with this is, Amy knows that her mom robbed a bank, yet she's still in school. This is a traumatic experience she is going through, and yet they still make her go to school. Who's going to pick her up, her mom? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they just take her to, like, the principal's office or something? She was clearly not just in class. She was hanging out. She was (laughs) hanging outside of some room. She was also unfazed by the situation, I felt. She's used to it. Maybe there's more to Amy's mom that we don't know about. So they head back to Earth Protectors. They head to Earth Protectors, and at the building, the family's having their powers drained by all the aluminum foil. 
Nina tries to stand up for herself here, but she gets taken away. This is like the first out of five times she gets taken away because Malcolm keeps trusting her for some reason. <laughs> the funny part about the kids showing up to the to the warehouse is how much trouble Amy has parking her bike. Does she? She has a lot of trouble, and then she eventually just drops it on the ground and then throws <laughs> her helmet down and continues on with the scene. For some reason, they were like, all right, this is the last shot we're doing. We're done. Like, or we, they chose to keep this shot in of Amy aggressively failing to get her bike to stand up. Yo, kickstands are complicated. How would you know? That would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> we're done with our bike annual. We're, we're done with our uh, bike talk on this podcast for today. You need to learn how to ride a bike so that we can go on the amazing race. Yeah, no, that that's what this podcast is all for, so we can get onto the amazing race. The issue is I don't have a bike large enough to support me right now. Well, aren't you because it's because it's a children's bike? Aren't you and your little brother roughly the same size? Around, he's getting to my height. Tell him to get a bike for his birthday or for Christmas. That's coming up. Tell him to get a bike for his Chris for Christmas and steal it. Yeah, and just, we'll just borrow it. I'm going to keep practicing how to use a kickstand so I don't make a fool of myself like Amy on The Amazing Race. Good plan. <laughs> um, so the kids arrive to the Earth Protectors building, and they see the parents' vehicles, the, Amy's mom's car, the mom's motorcycle, all that. Uh, they're also expecting to see Scott's grandpa here because there's a previous scene where the grandpa gets the call from Scott, and the grandpa's like, I got to go help him. But since he's old, he rips off his clothes and can't really fly. But he finally gets enough juice to fly. And then we cut to him later. He's flying over some random highway. And he's like, I should have got a taxi because he's flying, like, really slow. Really slow, yeah. Thought it was real funny. I couldn't, I can't give this scene justice, but it's real funny. It was good, yeah. Definitely, it was good. Um, so, here... They're like, what do we do? And Scott's like, you don't need superpowers to help people. So they all go inside. Uh, here, Scott reveals who his family actually is because everybody kind of connects the dots anyway. Uh, Scott and Amy have a moment here. I really forget what happens, but Randy goes, you had the entire seventh grade to stare at each other, which is good. And then um, they all set up a plan. They set up a plan, and the plan is to stomp on bubble wrap. Because that sounds like gunshots. <laughs> Great plan. It works. These these fools are dumb enough to believe that people are shooting at them from above and that nobody there there's no nothing getting hit. Yeah. It it, it works and then up until Malcolm up until it doesn't the plan works until the writers decide it doesn't work <laughs> anymore and Malcolm yells out it's those kids despite him knowing nothing about the kids outside of Scott. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he goes from cowering in fear to being like, wait, this is stupid. Yeah, he's like, it's those kids. I don't know those kids, but it's them. <laughs> um, so then they start to go and find these kids all around the warehouse because, yeah. Uh, the kids do some tricks. They knock three, the three goons from earlier that got beat up. They get knocked down again here, but it doesn't really affect them because some other goons corner them. Those goons get back up and uh, corner all of them, so now they are all trapped. Uh, Nina ties up Scott personally here, but tells him to play along because she has this plan where she is going to uh, befriend Malcolm again, switch the discs out, 
and uh, Barker here sees this and is like, I think you meant to use this disc. Why does Malcolm trust Nina anymore? We've been over this, though. How do you even know this dude's name? It showed up once in the caption. <laughs> it, it was the one time, it was at when they were giving him money at the school. It said Barker Chuckles or something like that. <laughs> they, do, they do not say his name, though. <laughs> so, um, so after this, Amy uh, is tied up with Scott here. She's like, we have to do something. So she was just carrying a soccer ball with a bag. That Why was she carrying a soccer ball? <laughs> she wasn't carrying the bag before. I do know that. I don't know. She passes Scott a soccer ball here. Um, there's a countdown going on at this point where I, I'm very confused about this. They're restructuring the superhero's DNA to use it for something else is the best way I can describe it. That's the... That's the best way anyone can describe it. <laughs> and even that, it's like, you listen to that and you go, that doesn't seem like what's been going on in this movie, but I mean, it's as close <laughs> as we're going to get to an explanation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Amy passes Scott the soccer ball here, and Scott just kind of, he's being held back by one of the goons, and he just runs away. And with the soccer ball, he kicks it past Malcolm, and as the clock hits one, or is at one, well, I think, wanted, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think Scott is purposely, is loosely tied. Oh. Because he's tied up by Nina. Oh, that didn't click at all. <laughs> they did do something that made sense in this movie, I guess. There we go. <laughs> Thank you for that. But uh, Scott kicks the ball past Malcolm as the clock is winding down to one and it hits one of the multiple mind control monitors. Yeah, and it's it only hits one. <laughs> it, it breaks everybody out of their mind control. Um, what happens here? Uh, it breaks everyone out of their mind control, and then uh, Nina runs over to the door to the canes and swings it open. Despite the entirety being. The entirety of this movie, she's been held back by Barker. Barker's just let out a smile. It's like, you're free to go. Right. He's nowhere to be. He does not try and stop the soccer ball. He's just not needed for this shot. He's happy to be here. Or not right. here in this case. He you know, runs open and opens the cage, which means the superheroes are safe. Yeah, Malcolm just kind of gives up here. Uh, everybody celebrates. Well, he's on the ground after trying to stop a soccer ball. He's done. He's out for the count. <laughs> As any good supervillain uh, stops. Uh, uh, so everybody celebrates here. The bad guys are stopped. Uh, Amy asks Scott to the dance here. Scott obviously says yes. Um, I'm going to run down a couple things. Nina says to destroy all the discs because she's like, oh, mind control isn't that bad. I'll just be a better environmentalist without mind control now. She gets her memory wiped. Uh, Amy gets her memory wiped, which makes Scott angry because she's not going to remember the whole dance conversation. But for some reason, they allow Randy to keep his memory because uh, so, so Scott can have somebody to talk to. Scott can have a friend. Uh, my issue with this is if there was ever a sequel to this movie, we all know Randy would be the villain because he knows everybody's identity. 
No, I think I think it it'd be Nina because Nina would be like, "Well, I have this mind control thing, and Malcolm's mysteriously gone. I wonder why that is." Uh, and she would and she would start using her mind control thing for evil. Cause why wouldn't you use mind control things for evil? It's all they're for. Maybe her and Randy team up because Randy also just doesn't shut up. He's the most talkative out of this group. I'm just saying it might not be the best thing. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> uh. Also, Steel Condor arrives. He breaks through the wall late and has to take a seat after he checks his polls because he's tired. Kind of, It's really funny. Uh, we go back to Scott's house. Amy comes by on her bike, and she doesn't remember anything from what happened. So Scott's about to ask her to the dance, but gives up, even though she already agreed earlier. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, he's not a superhero to her anymore. Yeah, but the parents made the point that Amy said before that she liked him before the whole saving her situation. Anyway. Anyway, uh, we're almost done. Uh, they go to the soccer game. Captains are finally being picked. Amy votes for Scott, and uh, Scott's the only vote left, but he votes for Amy. So now they're co-captains. Loser. Why don't you <laughs> vote for a girl? He wants to take her to the dance, even though she would have said yes anyway. Um, and then Randy won't shut up about superhero stuff as the movie ends. Randy goes, oh, we can be like the Lone Ranger and Tonto, since they're both superheroes and they have no powers. And then Scott says something, and he's like, okay, well, what about um, if I'm Kato, who is the Green Lantern, the Green Hornet sidekick, and both of them also don't have any powers. So he just wasted all that time. I didn't understand any of the references. Like, I know the names. I didn't get any jokes here. Right. It's not even, like, a joke. It's just, like, it it doesn't make sense that this line (laughs) is even in this movie. They needed a way to fade away, uh, to zoom out from the soccer field as people talk to end the movie. Right. And it's just it's just them yelling about them being superheroes. Yeah. yeah. Doing exactly what you didn't want Randy to do. He's doing to end this movie. Told you it was a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, there. Uh, you want to rank them? Uh, let's rank them. Let's rank them. This is your week to go first. I've I've gone two weeks in a row. Why don't you go first? I'm not really feeling it. <laughs> Fine. Fine. You convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you have your, do you know, do you have yours down? Uh, I have mine on my official list. I didn't put it on my personal list yet because I right. was conflicted. All right. Um, yeah. Why don't you go first? Okay. First. first. <laughs> So, uh, I put Up, Up, and Away fourth on my official list, which is right below Brink and above Don't Look Under the Bed. Can you run through your top five real quick? Yeah, yeah. It's not 11 movies, so I can do that. Uh, one is Johnny Tsunami, two is Smart House, three is Brink, four is Up, Up, and Away, and five is Don't Look Under the Bed. Xenon's so low for you. Xenon's low on my official list, but it's number two on my personal. Yeah, but your personal list is doo-doo. Whoa. The personal list is the one I care more about. Oh, let's be honest. My overall rankings has pretty much become a mix of personal and overall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you harassed me like the second or third episode. Or like, I think it was the fourth where we disagreed and you were like, I don't need your personal list bleeding into your official list. Well, all, we I'm say, all I'm saying is this is the real, like, I, I'm taking it to heart, but, you know, uh, there's a little bias in here, but whatever. <laughs> That's with all official lists, I feel. Exactly. Uh, so, why did you put it forth? 
you said I sounded smart last week when I wrote something down, so I, I wrote a little something down at the end. Nice. Uh, <laughs> um, I said Up, Up, and Away has everything a decom really is. It's got your supernatural powers. It's got your nice family dynamics. Everybody in this movie is a likable character. And although some things don't make sense while we're describing it, I think it's a pretty cohesive story, and it's got some good messages around. Um, I think something good with this movie is there's not too much focus on the actual superhero action, so it doesn't rely on that CGI and that uh, those action sequences, which we've seen in the past couple early DCOMs, that those two things really don't work well with these budgets and all. Right. It's always kind of, oh, you get what they're going for, but it never hits the mark. So I think focusing more on the characters, it's not, this isn't a superhero movie. This is a movie about superheroes. Yeah. And then I said, it's not, it's not a super amazing movie, but it's pretty good, I think. It is pretty good. And I'm, I'm conflicted here, where for me, it's either fourth or fifth. What's your top five? All right, so number one is Johnny Tsunami. Then we got Brink. Then we got Xenon. Then we have Fourth Sense. Then we have Smart House. Okay. I could see it being fourth and fifth on your list, and I don't right. think there's any any issue with it being either of them. Because if it goes fifth, it starts that new tier of, like, these are DCOMs. The quality of the movie is not at this level yet. And then... The top three right now, those are the best movie and decoms, and then combine them, and they're just the best overall. Mm-hmm. And before we did the podcast, I was definitely leaning top. I was leaning towards putting it forth, just because it seemed pretty solid, and I enjoyed it. But uh, mostly, I think it fit the mode pretty well. Yeah. After, I felt like there were a lot more problems, but I also remember a lot of problems in Xenon. Yeah, I, that's, that's one of the issues with like these lists is as we go further and further from movies we previously watched, I think some, bi- not biases, but ideas we have about the movie come through more and not after just watching it. Right, luckily, like, if I look on, Z- like, if I just think about it for a second, I'm like, right, Xenon was also ridiculous. Yeah, like, I had fun watching Xenon, but as a story, it was kind of, I remember it being a little off. So, so I guess it could really go three, four, or five. And I think mm-hmm. it's, the coolest part about this movie, um, it's finally, like, diverse. It's diverse, and... Another like a thing I like about that is everybody in this movie. There's not that like annoying character that kind of ruins it all in right. the family. Like there's not that one runt of the litter kind of thing that they've been doing. Mm-hmm. It's always in this one. It's like everybody in this family is a good person, right? And they have issues. Which is yeah, but they're solved easily after the main character learns that lesson. Which is funny because the whole context of this movie is runt of the litter. Like, Scott yeah. is the one non-superhero. But, like, it's a diverse movie. It's about a kid learning that, you know, you don't have to have powers to be a superhero. Uh, it's solid. Like, yeah, the parents don't listen to him, but they did it in Xenon. And, yeah, the villain's a little dumb, but they were in Xenon. And I felt like Xenon did a lot of its climbing up my list after I ranked it initially. Yeah. 
So I'm gonna have I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up up and away third. I like that. I like that. I think I've made this rule for myself that I will move a movie the week after I watch it, but I will not move it after that fact because that's when I think. Because I I keep wanting the move don't look under the bed down right now. Uh-huh. But I remember it being a good enough movie at the time. Right. Well, you're actually wrong. That movie is terrible. Whatever. Because but... well, like I want to put Xenon <laughs> above it. Now. I, I want to put Xenon above it on my official list. Right. And, right I, and I, think, I think that's definitely something you can do. Maybe there's a point where we get through a certain amount of these episodes. <laughs> and like maybe like once we hit 20. Yeah, we go back and we do like one one week is about our a ranking, re-rank? a re rank, and we just go over the rank, and we just go over the rankings and we discuss the situation. Yeah, maybe a little longer if we wait. Yeah, so we have we we can have some content. We know some content. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so that's that's an idea. Look at us. Look at us go. We always right. come up with these ideas on the podcast. Yeah, this is as creative as we get. You're yeah. welcome. Doesn't go into my schoolwork one bit. You get to know. <laughs> you get to see how creative we can be. Yeah, and then we'll forget about the idea a week later, but that's besides the point. We're creative in the moment. We're creative in the moment. And, you know, that's a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yours is fourth, mine is third. Yeah. Pretty good movie, honestly. It was It was solid. It was an enjoyable watch. Like, I, I every week I come in and I'm like, this could be a really, really bad movie because you never know what you're getting into. But this one was real good. Yeah, definitely. It held up. It held up about as much as I expected it to hold up um, from how much I liked it as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely, you know, I was happy to see. Nice. Let's, let's close this baby out. Let's do it. So you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts through our Anchor FM link in the description. Make sure you follow us on whichever podcast site you prefer in order to never miss an episode. Uh, also, make sure to rank us uh, rank. Nope. And also, make sure you rate us five stars, no matter how you feel about the pod. Rate us five stars. Because we appreciate those very much. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at UnofficialDCOM for podcast updates and more. And you can email us at UnofficialDCOM. Nope, that's not how emails work. You can email us at UnofficialDCOM at gmail.com. If you have any questions you want answered, thoughts, or you just want to hit us up. There's new episodes every Thursday. And next week, join us when we talk about, I think you're looking it up right now. The Color of Friendship. Aw, get your friendship bracelets ready, everybody. Uh-oh. If we were together, I'd make you a friendship bracelet, but I don't think we can do that right now. Um, I'm happy that we're not in friendship-making distance then. Not the circumstances, but, you know, silver linings. Just because you said that, I am cl- we are ending this podcast, and I am driving to your house with a friendship bracelet. I'll call the cops or the superheroes, whichever yeah, you get here first. I think the superheroes are your better option, if you want me stopped. <laughs> Is that it? I think so. I never know when you're done with this outro. Peace out. See you later.